Hello, everybody, and welcome to week three of building the Pixel, um, building the thinking classroom here. Uh, this is thing on the Pixel Classroom podcast. I am, of course, your host Ryan Reed here, and I hope and I'm thank you for those who have joined me and have been listening on the audio version here of me as I build the thinking classroom in my curriculum and everything. So this is week three. I've actually uh, found out going through a couple things else. We're going to do five weeks. So um, basically get through the end of the month. So the week four will be uh, more of a piece here too, which will be a lot of the purses of that of the thinking classroom. And then week five is going forward with it after really establishing between all classes, different practices from assessment to full use of the curriculum. So I've definitely decided to do it in five weeks, which makes sense. I mean, I could be doing it weekly, but I've also tucked other ones. And once they've really got the ball rolling it's kind of checking back here and i have a lot of other ones things coming up in february and march so we'll definitely do a uh, check so i'll definitely look at the thinking classrooms in march after uh, week five is done here in two weeks and then we'll kind of go in that when then we do our year review in may when the uh, my semester ends but those who are joining me today, thank you for joining me on the Pixel Classroom podcast here in the deep freeze, as I like to call it. I'm actually sitting here in my uh, people who can see me in the video one here. I'm wearing my nice warm uh, fleece uh, wool top here. Uh, I'm in the office here. It's kind of cold uh, because right now it's uh, according to my Apple Watch. It's only about 20 degrees outside. We just got through a blizzard. We've got still a warning for the next couple of hours. Um, once I get done with this, I'm going to head out and uh, shovel the driveway a little bit here, too. But let's get into what we are talking about today, which is a of course, week three of the thinking uh, classroom model here, and of course, 14 practices. And we're going to talk about uh, number 10 uh, through 13, believe it or not, uh, 10 through 13, because that's going to talk about how do you consolidate the lessons, how students take notes in the thinking classroom, uh, what do we choose to evaluate the thinking classroom, and also how to use those formative assessments here, too. Um, I'm actually going to only get up to 12. 13, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, next week in week four. I'll talk about how I've used formative assessments in the thinking classroom, and then what the grading looks like uh, going into that and wrapping up uh, week five and hinting. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. So uh, number 10, as you can tell here, as you can see by my little uh, screen, those in the live feed, those who are not, uh, um, go ahead and listen carefully. So uh, practice 10 is uh, is, consoli is consolidation of the utmost importance every lesson because through uh, consolidation, we are able to bring together um, disparate parts of a task or activity and help students to solidify their experience in a cohesive conceptual whole. So basically is, you know, we're talking about is the problem is that it doesn't work as mentioned students by large don't learn by being told how to do it. But of course, by thinking and working upmost to the foundations of the concept and drawing to the work procedures that lead to the common set of tasks. So as they say, you know, one thing it's always constantly, you know, as we get with the students, it's like, oh, is this on the test? And then, you know, we do the review and everything else. But the truth is it always comes thing. One thing I said um, many years ago, uh, many people are surprised I'm good with math, but yet I, um, I'm not like perfect at it or the fact that I have a dissertation. I work things about my math. I had a very, very hard time with math. And I, I mean, it, it, it was there. I, it got worse in high school, honestly. Um, 
middle school is I had a math teacher and she knew what it was and she used gamifying in her classroom, but she was just known for the homework. Uh, Mrs. White. Um, I don't know if she's still out there. I know she'd probably be retired by now. And we're talking about oh, hard to believe now 33 years ago, if you think about it. Um, but she was, she was the homework queen of things too. And she had thing. I mean, she knew what she was doing. She used games and everything for the classroom for math. And, um, um, the one thing is I did learn a lot from her, but boy, it was just like, you know, more homework equals more students learning, which I don't think worked there. And for a late eighties, early nineties teacher. And I think she had been teaching since the late seventies. It just, it had its issue. And some students didn't have a problem with it. When I got to high school, my algebra teacher, um, Dean Schultz was his name. Um, miss that man because he was a tough teacher. He didn't, he wasn't afraid to tell it how it was. He worked with everybody, he worked with me. I was in summer school that one because I had just failed second, I had failed third quarter um, of math and I had worked so, so hard to try to get my grade up for fourth quarter because I was just like so determined, waked up call that I wanted to do. I didn't want to be behind with my student, my, my classmates and my friends. And I still failed the class and I ended up doing summer school. And then luckily I was able to put in geometry. And then uh, my math teacher then, which was uh, Ms. Lindgren was her name. I can't think of her first name. It's uh, escaping me right now. I think it's in the yearbook behind me somewhere, but uh, we'll not go in there. But her problem was is she was a very smart person, but unlike Mrs. White, who knew everything and tried to turn things in a game and was overloaded with teachers, uh, Lindgren's problem was when you got the answer wrong, she would tell you what the answer was supposed to be. She wouldn't explain why that was. Or if you did come up with the right answer, the problem was you didn't do it the way she wanted you to do it. Like you missed this or you skipped a step, even though you got the right answer. And I understand. I mean, I do this with my own son. I mean, he's got to show his work. But his math teachers also know they can see where the work is and how they skip it. They want to get it out of their head because they want to actually see them do the work. So they understand it. They can write it out because sometimes we can do things in our head and sometimes we really do have to see it visual. Visual learner versus, you know, conceptual learner learners, which they get the concept and they can just do it in two seconds. Um, we recently had our PSAT and everything. I had a couple of students and they said themselves, they figured out some questions. They're like, well, none of those answers are logical. So henceforth, I knew it was that answer. They can see it in their head or they can just write it out and say, yeah, I know exactly what that is. So, you know, everybody thinks different. Everybody visualizes different. So that was the biggest thing is doing that. And then how students take the notes in. So I'm going to go ahead and share the next screen. So this is what I did. And like I said, thinking classrooms, biggest one was in business law. And I actually had my instructional coach with me here too. This was always her plan to come in here. And she said herself, you know, if I, I'm understanding this concept, but if you're going to do it, it's going to require a lot of classroom management. There's going to be a lot of thinking in the classroom, which I know you can do, but you know, she wanted to see how it is. So our biggest thing is here, as I said, in the last couple of weeks um, with mine is, we had it where the students themselves were coming up with their own contract. They, uh, I, I did random selection of groups for partners. And they had to come up with a contract between this can be anything from you letting a backpack, borrowing the car, Stanley Cup. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a joke in there somewhere. But um, what they come in here. So what we did is we went over contracts and we went over warranties because the truth is warranties protect people in shapes like that. But there's so many warranties. There's limited, there's verbal, there's extended, there's lifetime warranties. And we went over this. So we went over Nearpod uh, over the concepts and basically redid it. We talked about the UCC code. Remember, this is business law. And we talked about the concepts of this. And then what we did after that is I broke them off in the groups using my wonderful cards. And they were each given these set of sheets were different things. Now, some were complete concepts. Some were, I mean, they were all about the same length. It's just some maybe had an easier time looking than others. But they did over the different types of warranties. And what I did is I broke this down. Biggest thing I've been using hugely 
hugely with the classroom that I found out works very good is using the edu protocols uh, model and it works good. And I use the iron chef in this as I had used the thin slides and I had to do the part and I'm doing something with eight parts of speech, which I'll talk about next week in the part here of how that's working for two other classes of mine. But that was a big thing was how to get these over. And if you remember, the question is, how do they take notes? And I think that's a good question because even in my classroom and even other classroom, note taking is much differently in every single classroom, whether they're taking, if they're doing something like a science class on um, my previous district, we use spark notes. So they would have that note division. I would have setups to where they could take the concepts, do reflections. They would have a Quizlet now notes and uh, Quizlet had some issues with districts and everything else to do this. But my thing is, like they said, the two points of engaged thing is to create a record for students to look back in the future and a way for them to solidify their own learning. I mean, that's the point of note taking. It's not just, oh, what was that they're talking about? It's able to go over like this is what this is, whether it's definitional terms, concept terms or what, and then putting that into practice. And of course, my classroom, we don't have a lot of note taking. We use the Nearpod as a part of note taking when they're doing the reflections or answering questions they can access at any time. I post the student paste version on classroom and then i take the um take their uh participation or regular grades if it's graded and so forth but that's always been a thing so one thing we did hugely especially since we use the whiteboards is i actually have these set up uh in my classroom i got the pieces thanks to two of my math teachers and what we do is i actually take pictures of these or i use the post-it app or um, some classrooms we use the rocket book app um to scan these so what i do is i have them go over because we go through the normal models here like this one here is extended words so, so using the using one of the um edgy protocols what is a fact about this um thing and sometimes it's extended worry it's repairs that aren't covered by your money like you know hey if the you know if the brakes are being recalled you know i turn that into the car shop they'll give me uh you know they'll replace those for free i won't get a service charge i might get a free car wash or an oil change as a result because they're doing the extended war but you know what is the evidence of that breakdown costs less than the average service plan which is true versus like you know i have to go take my car in here and i'm going to be doing this in a couple weeks i need to get the brakes replaced the car is coming up um seven years old this may it is time to do it but i have to get a referral and everything else with a local mechanic which is actually a very trusted one of the family but i gotta see because maybe i don't need just drake pads maybe my rotors need to be replaced so they gotta look at what is that what is the cover because i don't have that kind of warranty under the current car payment of that too it would recover if like a line breaks or something happens that's under the warranty or the fan manufacturer's extended warranty so they had to look at that and that's something like right here what are sometimes it's out of pocket like that the warranty is not going to cover that or manufacturer will replace it if it costs for free. But that's the thing. Let's say somebody is borrowing a car and all of a sudden, you know, it says there's an airline on the service fee. Well, the extended warder under the person of their contract says, hey, that's not the person that's borrowing my car's fault. That's the car's fault. So the extended warranty helps me bring that. So we take these different notes and we break those down. Like right here, this is express warranty. Um, you know, must be replaced by right away, which means like, hey, if something breaks, it breaks. I'm returning something right now that uh, I got my wife. For, uh, for Christmas, which was a charging jack station. Well, it's we found A, a cheaper one, and B, also, it's not charging it correctly with the phone way it's set up. But according to the warranty, uh, they should say the express return policy, which is a type of warranty, as long as it's returned by the 31st with no major issues or if it is damaged or it's not doing what the product was, I'll get refunded in a Amazon credit or gift card to do it, which is fine. We got it. And I'll, you know, I'm and if I do it for free at UPS stores, instead of me paying money for shipping, I do the scan and drive that little bit, 
Boom, I got it. But there's a stipulation to that. Because like right here in this one, provides repairs and placement within a specific period of time. So I had several students who keyed this back to notes they were doing in our class about things that need to be replaced in a in an industrial arts class or into an areas for culinary arts. So I'm seeing those deep connections um, about how they're doing the evaluation of that. Like right here, step 12. How do we choose to evaluate? Well, it can be compliances. It can be corrects. It can be practices. But you got to see what is value. The reason why I had this, I could have done this in a sense that we had the students basically, oh, this is just warranties, whatever. You're just telling me under how that works under different laws and everything. Okay, cool, doctor. Let's move on with our lives. No, no, no. I had to actually show what with this because I had two students who actually had this happen, uh, had a situation where their warranty was covered. They didn't know about it. Their parents did it. And they were able to keep that piece of the pie. So henceforth, this was something they extremely moved into that. What is the valuation of the value? So they evaluated on that. So we took these little areas, we broke it down, and then I had to meet with their partners. And what we did, and this goes to the next step, because like I said, this is right here, the warrant, the iron chef. So those are not iron chef. And I had to tell the students, believe it or not, I asked the students, do you know what iron chef is? Everybody gave me a blank stare. Like they have never heard of iron chef. My son, who's 13, who's four to five years younger than my seniors and juniors, knows what Iron Chef is. That's because of my parents. Even though Iron Chef's been around a while, there's YouTube channels, there's other versions. It's like they don't have any concept of what is Iron Chef. So I told them, and I use this little model here, as you can see right here. So I had to change this to, I, I used the basic Iron Chef of the piece on this and took the template from, you know, Edgy Protocols. This is all, you know, things stamped here. And by the way, I am not... I am a part of Edu Protocols. I don't prolong to the Edu Protocols Plus than I'm hoping to. Unfortunately, I had to renew my Quiz Is account. That's a different story, um, which is used by Edu Protocols. But that's the thing. But the question is, uh, given their concept, because I had a different concept of each warranty about this, types of warranty, how that can work. So basically, is the first concept is what does a warranty look like? Now I had these guys broken. This is a class. This is a class of twenty-one, and we were missing two students, so we were down to nineteen people. I mean, the groups were three, were pretty much even, almost even three. I only had one group of two, and they said, "What does a warranty look like?" Well, it looks like this. It looks like this. And when people said sounds like this was what confused them like what do you mean sound like it's like if i talked about a warranty to a return customer like you know this this tire i got replaced by the automotive place and it broke at bell tires what does that sound like I'm like oh that's really easy dr reed it would sound like you know my tire blew so i have the currency of a receipt i have the thing about doing a verbal agreement they have to replace it because they're overpaying and also it is kind of a state law or local law that they have to cover it i said that's what I'm looking at. And then they would find a picture. But then what's the secret ingredient? That's always the thing. Remember, Iron Chef's concept is you get a bunch of professional chefs. And they're given a secret ingredient. That can be anywhere from like Brussels sprouts to, you know, pizza dough. One was a really cool pizza dough episode from several years ago, by the way, I like. But um, but what makes that secret ingredient is how does that make that warranty work? And some might be like, well, this is covered over all this. Well, it works perfectly because of I'm using a car or we're borrowing my bag so the warranty is that bag rips or damages uh everything it's covered by the store warranty i can run back to you know target uh, meyer or wherever i bought it and it should cover i'm like right so henceforth it's not the person in the contract this got them thinking and they're like oh i see what you're seeing here dr e if something goes wrong and it's not my partner's trial or my fault how does it protect me so that way i'm not paying out i'm losing my item or i can replace it. i said exactly so then they're getting that concept they're getting that 
wonderful concept. So then they started breaking it down. So basically is the next question is how long are these warranties are. So what, so what warranties do you want? It's like, well, I want a warranty that does X, Y, and Z. And what do you want this to do? And basically protect me from paying out money or repairs or, you know, helping my friend so he doesn't get hurt in an accident. And then they did the picture example, and then they would do the secret ingredient for that. And then of course, what are the types of warranty protect you? And some are like, oh, I got to extend it or I have a limit or oh, I have lifetime. So if my AirPods break, as long as they're within that lifetime of the device, it should protect it. And I said, yeah, whether those AirPods are around for six months or they're around for five years. And a lot of them were getting this. So then they said, what is a performance or good technology or there's time? So they said, well, I got online. I have a piece of paper. I've got receipts. I can talk to customer service. Similar to what I was just doing here with my return. I had all that contact. And they would go, what is, so then I gave them a different types of warranties. The reason why is I have a couple of people who don't have a partner is very big reason with this. Uh, reason why they don't have a partner. So then I broke it into a kind of a frayer sense, such as a product warranty, service warranty, and state law. And everybody had to follow state law. And I said, everything looks different as many if you're in Rhode Island, Illinois, California, Florida, whatever, you know, state laws require different things and can product warranty. So they wanted the what the product warranty for all their items. Almost everybody had a physical property, car, backpack, uh, cup, AirPods. I had one person that was doing a Bluetooth speaker, which was kind of a cool concept to borrow for their uh, practice for dance team, which I thought was a really cool idea for a contract. So they went and did that and they definitely would look like, sounds like, well, the product warranty would be here. It would be X, Y, and Z and it would be under the company. What's the service warranty? So this one was an interesting one. A lot of them did not have service warranties because they had to think, well, mine's not automatic. It's a bad backpack the only service it is is i have to throw it on my backpack i said right so there's really isn't so they found out some of the warranties don't cover their product or they're different types that don't so this really got them thinking and joining and everything else and it worked so so good and they just really had a look at that and I'll, those are my visuals here i'm sorry i'm having a little bit of a internet issue there there we go now i'm showing the warranties there a little bit better so there we go i mean i'm mostly recording for the audio visual learners here we go here's the types of warranties product service warranty then we get to the last one the state law and i put the secret grade. what does illinois state law provide you when it comes to violations of a warranty and some of them were like well i have a backpack like well what's the state what's the state law for backs oh it should be over back things because that way it keeps it safe it doesn't fall off it's good for your back support, which is a medical. I'm like, there you go. And then a lot of people are like, well, it has to have a license plate. There's got to be insurance. There has to be transfer a deed. If you've got somebody borrowing the car, I said, think of an iPass. Like, oh, you're right. The iPass has to be, you know, serviced by those cars. You can't just say, oh, mom, can I borrow your iPass? Sure, honey. And then they give it to you, but that car's not registered with the iPass. All of a sudden, you got a violation saying, uh oh, I, I don't know what scan there, but that's not that's not your Chevy Impala. That's <laughs> that's this uh, beat up neo neo car, and it's like, uh oh, yeah, problem like that and then what they had to do is once they got all this and put it all they had to go back to the original frayer car i did which was the 2024 one which was designed and they had to look up they had to copy and paste that and then i had them do a reflection on that because remember that was one thing is how does the formative assessment so they're looking at that formative assessment which is creating you know the the frayer iron chef model tying it back into it but the truth is like i said find ways for students to understand both where they are what they know and where they are going, have them what they have left to learn. So now they're kind of getting into this little piece to see that the contract isn't just, you know, an agreement between a promise here and a promise here. There's more to it. It's more stacked and it can be very, very basic for this area. So they're seeing and putting it together using the Iron Chef and then what we did with the Frayer card setup about how those connect to each other. So I'm building that scaffolding here in the building in the thinking classroom and this was something my instructional coach really liked she liked the fact that i only focused so long on the powerpoint you know did my randomization of questions broke these groups up and she really saw them doing a lot of deep thinking she saw them doing it she saw me walking around there was 
very, very little in, in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, disengagement. She know I had two students that weren't going to be working in the groups and how I went back to them, but I was able to leave those, those students behind themselves. And, you know, and I would get on them if they weren't uh, participating. I made them pass that marker around. So I kept doing it like five, six minute increments and worked on this in a full 30 minutes. Cause we have, we have, we're block schedules. We have a lunch in between. So Norm on early release PLC days, we have only 30 minutes for lunch. And when we got 40 minutes for lunch. So I, you know, I'm making them work. So I use that 10, 12 minutes for the Nearpod question and answer, broke them off from that group. And then for those next third, I should say more like 25 minutes, we went through this. We went th- and I would answer questions with other questions. I said, well, how does that work that? Or I have this item. How does that work with that type of warranty? And it got them thinking or somebody in the group is like, oh, I see where you're going, Dr. Reed. It's asking this. And they would talk to their group. And I had a lot of groups that were having good, deep discussion. I had a couple groups where, you know, they had the leader or like, hey, you do the work. And I would come back on them and I would have them, you know, pass the mark around, like now talk to them. And then he would say, oh, yeah, I, I this also includes as I said exactly and they'll go back to the paper they had and I told each one of the groups to take one Chromebook with them to look up things they didn't understand about their warranty so they really did look at that form and of they did their Google search that's based off something they've known for a couple of years stuff with thing and it really really built into that area and then we put together the you know the Iron Chef warranty and it worked really really good so it, it, it's really just kind of getting that together. It's getting them into these practices and everything. And believe it or not, I have a couple of the students now who are saying, yeah, this is kind of how Dr. Reed works. It works like this teacher's room a little bit and a little bit, which is a math teacher and one which is a science room. So they're starting to get into that, that, that thing that it's not going to be just, Oh yeah, we do this. We do a gym kid, a pre-assessment. We talk about this. Dr. Reed talks to us and then we just go do our assignment and he walks and answers questions. They see I'm getting out of that it's still a blended classroom, but they see I'm getting out of that practice. And the person who's joining me right now, thank you so much for uh, joining us on their um, areas too. But they are seeing how that practice is working, that they're really getting into that thought process, that learning of the thing class, which is what you want to. Because remember that one little practice, you know, what's the original part back in world one, you know, is like, you know, what types of tasks is a thinking classroom? We're giving them thinking tasks. So having these little areas do it. We've talked about the review. They talked about the commercial. I had a couple of slides where we went back and reviewed it, like the UCC laws, as well as what the point of the contracts were. And it really got them thinking. And it worked great for this um, part of that, too, was the fact that they were really getting into that thought process. So they're really seeing this. And I've, and I've broken this down too. We've only done sadly one practice in one of my other class, uh, one of in each of my other classes this coming week. Uh, Cause we had a snow day on Tuesday cause the weather was really bad. I mean, we got, we had thing. I mean, yesterday was, uh, you know, Institute day. We did everything online cause the weather was really bad out there. I mean, we had white out blizzard conditions and it's pretty cold today. I mean, right now, if you can't hear it on the microphone, there's somebody right now plowing their driveway. I'm going to be heading out there in a little bit to just get mine cleaned out here. And it's, you know, it's, now it's gotten to a whopping 21 degrees outside, as I said earlier in the podcast. But it's really getting them into that norm of the practices. And now the trick is I've kind of gotten an establishment of what I'm expecting for expectations. I've had the students sign their contracts themselves for behavioral and phone policies, as well as other pieces here and how it stipulates and how it works with their partner. Because like I said, I have a couple students gone. I'm going to have two students gone next week too. So we're really got to fill those holes. And then um, since I lost that one Tuesday because of the, of the, of the winter weather, 
I had a, I rewrote this lesson three times. It was always going to be designed like this. I rewrote it three times to make up for a, the loss of our one classroom day, uh, because I didn't want to get too far behind in things here. So I had a, I basically merged two classes in the one. And then on the night before I found out one other person was gone. So then I had to go back and redo my, uh, paper notes for the thinking activity with the whiteboard. So I did that at nine o'clock and then I had it all good to go. And by 11 o'clock I was happy and I was very happy. And also, like I said, my instructional coach was coming here. I wanted to really show her I'm working on that practice. It's not perfect. Trust me. This is no shape or practice. They always say that it takes three to six months of any type of practice in any type of field, whether you're in medical, uh, construction, teaching, everything to really get a practice down. I mean, it's like right here. I had Adam Peterson on my podcast just a couple of days ago. Go check that out. I love Adam. But, you know, he loved my setup, but I'm saying I'm, I'm getting better at this. I'm not perfect to where it should be from, you know, budget to set up here. Like right now, I got one person watching me. Thank you for that person that's watching me right now. Um, But, you know, it's it's one of those little areas, too, on how that works. So, you know, it's like I'm doing the practice. It takes work. So the next step, and we'll talk about this with um in the next uh, next episode, which, of course, is 14. How do we grade the thinking class? Right now, I'm doing participation. I have the evidence, and I've been walking around. But how do we grade this? That's where we're going into week four here because I'll be doing two more, um, uh, uh, three, I should say four classes with the practice starting next week because of our loss of days and just getting the kids into this. And this is freshman to junior level grades I'm going to work on. So what we're going to be doing in week four is how this works into grading and evaluation. So a little bit of step 13 into step 14 for the for my thinking classroom model. So we're going to talk about here, uh, my business essentials. We just went over collar jobs. Like I said, we lost that day. So I did a couple things different. We used the Freyer model from edgy protocols. I know John Caparo is like jumping up and joy. He loves how I use edgy protocols, but we're going to go talking into where their exercises. I'm going to break them off into groups. They're going to have an envelope and I got it just like this in the visual. You can see here's my little envelope. Here's the class written on the bottom. This also goes to my digital literacy class. And they're going to have the eight parts of speech where they have to break down a collared job. I'll give them the model. They'll draw it all on their whiteboards and their groups. And they're going to open these envelopes and everything's different. You got somebody you got somebody who's an IRS agent. You have somebody who is a carpenter. You have one person that's a park ranger. One's a firefighter. And they got to break down in those eight parts of speech what makes that job work? What are the KSOs, knowledge, skills, association? What's an element of the job? Like, well, that person must lift 50 pounds. That person must have uh, had this many years of practice. That person must have a college education. So they're going to break that all down and then match the collar jobs and where they think. Like, if that's a white collar job, let's say it's office, but in the one say, it's like, well, they have to do X, Y, and Z here. That's technically gold collar job. They're running the practice or something like that. So they're going to break that all down. And then when it's all done, you know, we'll do our notes and everything, pop that on my Google Classroom folder like we do. They're going to go into the eight-part speech in a Google Drawing protocol, and they have to pick a career they're hoping to. And I have a lot of things. I, I had kids make business cards. So there's that scaffolding, too, of what they want. I have people want to be vets, want to be uh, nurse practitioners. They want to be veterinarians, uh, chiropractors, physical therapy. I had one person that wants to do uh, – it actually does have a family business, and they're hoping to run it and be the kind of vice president with that job or thing. So they're going to have to take that position and break that down. What collar jobs to put it? What is there? and put it in here and they're going to turn that all in and that's going to actually work pretty good going forward because when they do the unit tests we did our frere cards with a vocab turn this is going to do the different kso and elements too so then they will have that for their study guide when we get to the unit one and then we're going to move on to our unions and uh, certifications and stuff before we start moving on to other parts of uh the job creation such as you know um um, ethics and so forth, which leads us to a lot of area. So we're building that and then over my digital lit class which is required the students are going to have a video 
and this has been set up for a couple of things. We use common sense education. We're going to go ahead and have an essential, uh, not an essential question, but a list of questions. There's always an essential question. That's part of the reflection in our exit ticket. So that's a different story. But then they're going to get into their groups and they're going to be a set of questions and they're going to have to answer that questions based on that video. Like it's like, okay, what are three of the things they talk about? Where does the privacy go here? What does that cover for X, Y, and Z? And then I'm going to give them the main vocab terms and they're going to break those terms down for what they saw in the video. And I think it's a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So it's pretty good. Most of the videos are three to seven minutes or they're horrible, but you know, not horrible, I should say lengthwise. And we know attention spans these days. So they'll do that. And they're going to get in that thinking process. And after that's done, they're going to break up into partners. They get to choose their partner. The first time they don't get to choose the groups, I get, to, but they get to choose their partner. So that way I let I do a little bit of a slow release. And then they got to answer the set of questions based on the facts that are in these Google Docs uh, on some other videos, as well as some scenarios. And they'll answer those questions. They'll put it together. We'll have our little reflection uh, for one class. It's right after lunch. And then the other one, it's in the middle of the day of the class and then they'll go ahead and do the gim kit uh gim kit review and then we'll do the exit ticket for that and then any last uh eight minutes of class i leave for homework time so that way if they are behind in something they have time to get it done if they don't have time to work on anything and then that's how that's going to work into that so that's where we're going here into that you know how do i grade it how do we get that evaluations so that's how we're going to be doing that into week four and i'll have more classes evidence also we'll see how business law goes here i'm uh, i've already put together Next week's two lessons. I'm keeping an eye on the weather. I, I It's going to be cold, but I'm not too worried. But I want to get that set up so that way when all my students knock on wood are back in uh, which should be the week of the 24th, when we go into the fifth week of this building classrooms and how this is all looking, how we're going to get into that practice is I should have a little bit more consistency in how that works. I have a, another class and I'm going to talk about how that breaks down in week four um, with them for my web design class. So that's where we're going. So this week was all everything else. And as you can see, I have my link right here for my donors choose. If you would like to do that, we are building it here. We were 220 away. It's good until May 1st. So if this doesn't get funded before the school year is over, Hey, it will get us ready for, we will get us ready for the fall semester and I can use the donors choose for little pieces to get everything done for the thinking classroom set up. So please, please think about subscribing to that. I have another one that is over in five days for our cricket. I just got that open. I'll be talking about an upcoming episode with the cricket um, uh, about as we build a design space. So we have a lot of that. So I want to thank everybody who's been with us the last three weeks here for the pixel classroom podcast. I'm building the thinking classrooms. Um, if you have any questions, be sure to feel me or check me out on my different social medias. So definitely, uh, work on that too and everybody else thank you for joining us today on the pixel classroom podcast and i hope to see you later mm -hmm.